lead us on the road to sacrifice. I wonder how Timothy felt during those long weeks of travelling through Turkey after he left home to join Paul and Silas on Paul's second missionary journey. He'd signed up to go with them and preach the gospel, fully aware that this was a dangerous course of action to take. After all, he lived in Lystra, which was the town where Paul had been stoned and left for dead a few years earlier. He can hardly have been unaware of the risks involved. So he knew that travelling with Paul was a dangerous option. And I guess as far as he was able, he had prepared for any eventuality. Except I wonder how he actually coped with the reality of what happened during those first few weeks. It started off, okay, as they went from Lystra up to Iconium and then to Antioch, visiting the churches and conveying to them the decision of the council in Jerusalem, the good news that it had been agreed that Gentile believers did not have to be circumcised and convert to Judaism. All they needed to do was believe in Jesus as Saviour and God would accept them and the church welcomed them. You could see the the joy and the relief on the faces of the converts as they realised they did not have to undergo this operation. The hard thing for Timothy was that he'd had to do it. Hardly a procedure that any teenage boy is likely to welcome or enjoy. And as he saw, as they went from place to place saying, it's good news, God has accepted you as believers in Jesus, you don't need to be circumcised, I wonder if he thought, it's all right for them. Paul's decision to circumcise Timothy, when he fought so hard for Gentile believers not to have to be circumcised, has caused confusion from that day to this. Luke doesn't help much. He says that Paul decided to circumcise him because everybody knew that his father had been a Greek. Well, that's hardly a valid reason, is it? Surely the only conceivable reason for having Timothy circumcised was that his mother had been Jewish. Undergoing circumcision, then, marked Timothy out quite clearly as someone who followed his mother's religion rather than his father's. And that made sense. His mother had taught him the Jewish scriptures as he was growing up. Both his mother and his grandmother were Christians. So for Timothy to be circumcised was to distance himself from his pagan father and assert his identity, his religious identity, in continuity with his mother as a Jewish believer in Jesus. And why did that matter to Paul? Well, Paul was in a potentially tricky situation. He was going round telling everyone who wasn't a Jew that God had accepted them through faith in Jesus without them needing to be circumcised. But to say that kind of thing could be interpreted and was misinterpreted by some as Paul saying, forget about circumcision altogether. And since circumcision was a sign of God's covenant with Abraham, and in many ways the sign of Jewish identity and religion, to say such things could be taken in some circles as the equivalent of apostasy, denying the validity of the Jewish religion. And in Jerusalem, there were those who accused Paul of doing precisely that, of turning Jews in the diaspora away from Moses and telling them not to circumcise their children or keep the law. So Paul's point in circumcising Timothy was to establish that he wasn't trying to undermine Judaism at all, Circumcision was altogether right and proper for Jews, and because Timothy's mother was Jewish, he could come in that category. It was just out of order to expect non-Jewish believers to have to undergo such a procedure. And poor young Timothy was the one who had to be circumcised so that Paul could make his point. 
It made sense from a strategic point of view as far as Paul was concerned, but I can't help feeling that Timothy got the sharp end of the knife in that respect. And in the end, it backfired anyway, since people accused Paul of inconsistency, preaching circumcision sometimes, uncircumcision other times, and so... As far as Paul was concerned, it all ended up to be a very difficult situation, but I'm pretty sure that Timothy was even one happy better than he was. So, to start off with, yeah, going around the churches, telling people that, you know, it's okay, you don't need to be circumcised, whereas Timothy had been. That's his first painful experience of church politics. Then after they spent some time in Antioch, it's time to to step out into the unknown and take the good news to the unreached parts of Turkey. So they set off boldly to go where no Christian had gone before to preach the good news to unbelievers and it wasn't a success. They, they didn't get anywhere. I mean, they made progress geographically heading north through the interior of Turkey but in terms of telling other people about Jesus, nothing happened. The door was shut. They tried to get into Asia but the door stayed closed. They tried to get in Bithynia, but they made no progress there. If, as some people think, on their way up through Turkey, they shared the gospel with native Galatians, Luke makes no mention of this in Acts. It rather looks as though they travelled overland 700 miles from Antioch to Troas with nothing to show for it but uncertainty and frustration. I bet Timothy thought, I never thought it would be like this. Prepared for anything except nothing. And that, that was really hard, actually, when you feel that you're, you're following the leading of God and you're wanting to serve God and it doesn't work out and nothing happens and there's just frustration and you feel as if you're being left dangling or, or led along the wrong roads. It is confusing and disturbing. And Timothy wasn't the most confident of people. He was, he was quite insecure, really. And I wouldn't be surprised, I've got no substantiation for this, whether he wasn't thinking to himself, is this my fault? Am I the one to blame for this? You know, am I the one that's jinxing this mission? I I just joined them and and we've gone out to preach the gospel and nothing's happening. Is, is Is it all down to me? Because Timothy was insecure. Back home, everyone had been really supportive of him. All the believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. There had been prophecies about the great things he would do in God's service. He'd been called by God one time when Paul had been praying for him. Everybody else looked at him and said, that, that young man, he's leadership material. Look and see what God is going to do in him and through him. But he himself really wasn't so sure. I guess it's better that way round than someone assuming that they're really good leadership material and everybody else thinking, oh no, anybody but him. But Timothy was only young. He was easily discouraged. He was intimidated by other people older than him. Paul had to tell him, don't let other people look down on you because because you're a young man. Paul had to reassure him that God had not given him a spirit of timidity, but the spirit he'd received was a spirit of power, of love, of sound mind and self-control. Right into the Corinthians, Paul tells them, look, if Timothy gets to you, make sure you welcome him. Don't put him off. Don't turn him away. Don't scare him. Make sure that you make him welcome and send him on his way in peace. Away from those who loved and knew and supported him, Timothy could be pretty vulnerable. 
And when Paul had that dream of a man calling him to cross over from Turkey into Europe, preach the gospel in Macedonia, I wonder whether Timothy thought, at last, now we're going to get to grips with this. Or whether he thought, oh no, what on earth is in store for us in this further step into the unknown? Yet despite his lack of confidence, despite such an unpromising start to the journey, Timothy stayed the course and went on to become Paul's right-hand man in all the churches that they went on and planted together on this second missionary journey. Philippi was the first port of call. And when Paul wrote to the Philippians much later, he says to Timothy, he is second to none. There is no one else who takes such a genuine interest in your welfare. He is the only one who really puts the cause of Jesus Christ above his own interests and concern. He's worked alongside me, Paul says, like a son with his father. He has proved himself in the work of the gospel. High praise indeed for a timid young man. From Philippi, they went to Thessalonica. Timothy gets his name at the head of the two letters addressed to the Thessalonians, alongside Paul and Silas. They treated him as a genuine co-worker, no mere assistant, someone who didn't count. The letter came from the three of them to make the point to the Thessalonians that Timothy was one of them and merited their respect. They treated him as an apostle alongside them and expected others to do the same. From Thessalonica... Uh, They went various routes to uh, Athens, but Timothy missed out on that stage in the journey. From there, they went to Corinth. And after they all left Corinth, Timothy was assigned his first solo project. There had been an interchange of letters between Paul and the Corinthians. Paul wanted someone to go back to Corinth to just make sure that everything was okay, that they'd received his letter all right, that they understood it, that they'd taken on board what he was saying. Timothy's job was to say, look, remind them how much this church means to Paul, how faithful Paul is in the Lord. Look, look, I can vouch, Timothy was supposed to say about Paul's conduct, the way in which he lives his life in Jesus Christ. This is a man of integrity whom you can trust. He is consistent in every area of his life. That was Timothy's job. He went back to Corinth and his visit was not a success. We don't know what the outcome of it was directly, But we do know that Paul himself had to make an emergency visit to try and sort out the mess that was in Corinth after Timothy had gone. Uh, There's that anguished letter uh, that he wrote, a letter of tears because he was so upset at what was going on there. By the time he writes 2 Corinthians, quite clearly, the bridges have been mended a little bit, but the relationship between Paul, Paul and the church in Corinth had been in crisis and had virtually collapsed. Next time Paul needed someone to go to Corinth, he didn't send Timothy, he sent Titus instead. Whatever happened at Corinth for Timothy, it was not a success. Whether they had taken against him, whether he'd fluffed the job, whether the the misunderstanding that happened between Paul and the church was just put on his shoulders, we don't know. But he came away from that, his first solo task, having failed. And that must have been really hard to cope with. But that said, there is no sign that Paul had lost confidence in Timothy at all. Because from Corinth, Paul went on to pay a brief visit to Ephesus. And according to the pastoral epistles, that is where Timothy himself ended up working on Paul's behalf, Paul's right-hand man in the church at Ephesus. 
heading up the church there, appointing leaders, dealing with false teaching, making sure the finances were administered properly, dealing with dissent, all the messy everyday business that's been part and parcel of church life from that day to this, all landed on Timothy's shoulders and he was up to the job. And if 2 Timothy gives us an insight into the closing weeks of Paul's life as he's imprisoned, awaiting trial, deserted by his other friends, it's Timothy, he asks, to come and visit him as soon as he can get there, bringing Paul's cloak and the scrolls and parchments which he needs. Nobody else he could rely on at his weakest and most vulnerable and lonely point but the young man Timothy, who himself had been weak and vulnerable in his younger years. At some point, Timothy himself was imprisoned because whoever wrote the letter to the Hebrews says, look, Timothy's been released. If they meet up, we'll both come and visit the recipients of the letter together. So the prophecies were true. God had called him. God did indeed have a plan and a purpose for that young man. But I I put myself in his shoes a little bit in those early days after Paul and Silas left Antioch, travelling into the unknown. Those weeks of uncertainty when nothing seemed to be going right. When every door they pushed remained close to them. Every attempt to preach the gospel met with failure. Think of his vulnerability in leaving behind such a supportive congregation, all those people who thought so much of him, and going out on a potentially dangerous mission. Of the self-doubt and anxiety and lack of self-confidence, which were his characteristics. Of his failure in Corinth, the first time he was given a job to do by himself. And of the painful operation he had to undergo before he set out in the first place. Yet those who'd seen the potential in him were absolutely right. God had a purpose for him. And with the Holy Spirit upon his life, God used him in ways that far exceeded his own thoughts about what he could do. God used him in ways that far exceeded the potential that he had by himself as an anxious and vulnerable young man. Sometimes we we tell ourselves that we're not worth very much. We don't count for very much. That there's nothing that that we could do because we put ourselves down and we lack in confidence. God begs to differ. God fills you with his spirit. He can use you in ways that far exceed your expectations. And if you walk in step with the spirit, he will take you to places that you would never get to under your own steam and use you in ways that you cannot imagine. And Timothy was a young man. And there's a danger as we get older to think, oh, you know, I can close the book now. I've done my stint. I can put my feet up. Well, no, actually. God still has plans and purposes for you as well. And I guess we've all been in situations where things have gone wrong, where we don't know whether we're doing the right thing. We feel as if we, we've tried to go down a certain path and it's just led us in the wrong direction or or doors have been closed and we just, we're plagued by doubts about it all. Surely following Jesus shouldn't be like this. Well, it was for Timothy. 
exactly like that. And he became Paul's right-hand man. No one ever said it would be straightforward. All those weeks and weeks and weeks of going through Turkey, not knowing where they were supposed to be, where they were supposed to be going, brought them in the end to Troas, the right place for the vision of the man from Macedonia, saying, come over here and help us. You might not be sure what's going on. You might not be sure where you're going or what God is doing. But God knows. Trust him. Keep in step with the Spirit. Even if the way ahead isn't clear to you, it is clear to God. Keep trusting. Keep going. Keep praying. And at some point, you'll get to the door that does open. The dream, the vision, the opening, the call, the sense, ah, now I know I am in the right place. However you feel about yourself, however little you might consider yourself to be, however insignificant you think yourselves to be sometimes, God has a purpose for you. And because he is faithful, he will fulfil it as he gives you his Holy Spirit and you keep in step with the Spirit he's given. Let's pray. Lord, we hide our insecurities from other people. But you know the times when we lack confidence. You know our secret fears and anxieties. You know our uncertainties and doubts. You know those of us who aren't quite sure where we're going. You know those of us who are struggling with a sense of failure. You know those of us who are intimidated by other people. You know those of us who feel inadequate, faced with the tasks and challenges that are set for us. You know those of us who are struggling with church politics. Lord, you know us better than we know ourselves. And unlike us, you see into the future. Lord, fill us with your Spirit. May our sufficiency and enabling come from your grace. You've given us new life. Show us the next step and help us to keep in step with you, to follow your leading. Lord, help us to believe and understand the potential that you see in us, and by your grace, may that potential be realised in your service, in fellowship with you and with each other. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.